puzzled. That is the beginning of wisdom. podcast my name is george i'm here with brett and bradley and we just passed four thousand members on the facebook pages it's been a crazy month since the boston expedition unknown episode came out people are joining left and right tons and tons of new members and they're all asking the same questions so we decided to get together bunch up as many of these questions as we could and put them out on a podcast hopefully this will help some of the new members understand you know where we're coming from when we talk about solutions, how verses and cities and paintings are all tied together and how it all fits in the world of the secret. So here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you to the secret 101. <laughs> Epic Q&A. Yes, this is your masterclass on the secret. I think we need to take a giant step back no pun intended and uh, just do a quick background of who we are. We're just three guys that are into the secret, but we're starting this whole thing with the caveat that none of us really are uh, secret experts. We're just people that are into puzzles and into this one in particular, right? I mean, if you, if you say so, right? I don't know. I'm an expert. You're not an expert, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we, know, we know everything. I think we should go back further than that. Like all of these people join, they have no idea who they, who we are. Right. Right. They have no backstory to this at all. So, a brief snippet of, of who we are might be a good idea. My name's George. I admin most of the Facebook pages that are out there. I run 12treasures.com. I've been hosting the Secret Podcast since the beginning of the Secret Podcast, since before the first Expedition Unknown episode came out. We've been doing this for, what, like two, three years mm -hmm. now? It's been crazy. Uh, I got into this puzzle like 10 years ago. Um, me and me and Brett worked on a on another puzzle together on on Reddit. And uh, I was looking for things that we can incorporate into our puzzle. And I stumbled on the secret and I was like, oh, this looks interesting. So I started reading about it and I never stopped. So that's how I got into it. Now my life sort of revolves around this thing. It's weird. <laughs> Bradley, who are you, my friend? Well, thank you so much for asking. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your VIP <laughs> guest of the day, Brett. <laughs> No, I'm just another guy as well. Um, I actually, I bought the book when it first came out in the bookstores in 1982. Wait, no, that's Brian Zinn. Um, no, I actually am an EU baby. So uh, you guys are all in my family of uh, being introduced to the secret by Expedition Unknown. So please don't be shy. Don't feel like you're um, any less than anybody else. Um, it, it's brought a lot of exposure to this hunt and I'm super excited about it. Um, my wife and I were watching the episode last year. Uh, man, was it two years ago now? It, it was 2017. Almost two years ago. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah, it was almost two years ago. We were watching the episode and I was hooked immediately. I was like, this is amazing. Uh, we booked a trip to Roanoke um to roanoke island uh, and decided that's where we were going to spend our um our holiday vacation time and on our way to roanoke island we discovered the facebook page and the podcast and 
Uh, you know, I've worked my butt off and uh, trying to figure out who, what's what and why and where. And uh, luckily I've uh, met Brett and met George and we've become good friends. And now I'm a part of this podcast team and I'm here to help out as much as I can. So that is me in a nutshell. Very nice, Bradley. Um, so I'm Brett and I am, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I just moved back here from a kind of a four-year tour around the United States, uh, relocated for work. I'm in the recruitment advertising industry. My background is that um, I'm just a guy that likes puzzles. I've liked puzzles since I was a little kid. Uh, and fortunately and unfortunately here about, uh, two, three years ago, I stepped into this thing and now I can't sleep. Um, <laughs> so that's me. Uh, I, uh, uh, remember that these podcasts started what, uh, George, it's been a couple of years, right? The, and I wasn't on any of the first podcasts. I just sort of stepped in occasionally to help out. Um, mm -hmm. And then eventually, uh, once the uh, the San Francisco hoax happened, I that was my first episode, and I've been enjoying it since then. Um, one thing I do want to recommend is that we initially here recently intended on going back and doing a city per episode, so doing a deep dive into each uh, each uh, city and the painting and the verse. But um, a lot of stuff happened in the last couple of months, so we sort of got tripped up on that. But I will say that uh, if you are very interested in all, you know, in hearing a deep dive in all the cities or just the city that you're working in as a as a member and a listener, go back and to to all the original podcasts. Uh, those are all the experts and all the veterans and all the uh, you know all the people that uh, have been doing this for decades and decades talking about those particular cities. Um, we have Brian and Andy uh, who actually found uh, casks on some of those episodes. So, um, and just other people that have been, been into this for a long time. So uh, we will eventually George and Bradley, don't you think we'll go down and, you know, we'll go and do the, the uh, deep dives into cities here soon, but um, just go back and listen to all those if you're interested in, in getting a background to all this. But today we're going to take a huge step back and just really, uh, you know, because of the thousands of people who have joined this craziness in the past month or two, we're going to just take a, a step back and, and uh, answer some basic questions. So people that are, have been doing this for a long time, if this is going to bore you, that's okay. You don't have to listen. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll do more fun and a, a bigger, deeper dive here coming up um, in the next one. And just to add to that, as um, since we're explaining who we are, just to let everybody know, we're also we're just the voices of the podcast. Uh, we are part of a much larger team of incredible individuals um, that work together and, and try to solve this, including you, the community. So thank you so much uh, for listening in. Thank you so much for all of the contributions on Facebook. Uh, we're obviously nothing without you guys. Um, you guys are what keeps everything interesting and moving uh, moving forward in the direction of finding the fourth cask. So thank you. Any updates? Uh, I know we had a huge announcement. What was that a month or so ago about the the, the Boston cask? Anything else change that you guys want to talk about? What about the, do you guys want to talk about the uh, St. Augustine meetup that's coming up here? Yeah, absolutely. St. Augustine meetup is December 7th. Um, if you haven't seen the invite, it is posted. Um, it will 
tag it as an announcement here in a couple of days, uh, just in case you haven't seen it, so that everybody can go and, and get the info. And we definitely want as many people who can attend to attend. The San Francisco meetup was an absolutely amazing time. Um, it's just a, a great time for you to meet other hunters, for everybody to bounce each other's ideas off one another, um, and just to have a good time. It's the the it's often said, but the the treasure of the secret is not finding the cask. I mean, obviously, we all would love one on our bookshelf, but the treasure of the secret is this time we get to spend with each other um, and and build this community. So definitely bring your friends, bring your family members, and let's have a great time. Yeah, the the St. Augustine meetup. Like Bradley said, it's going to be on December 7th. It's going to be at the Fountain of Youth at about 1 p.m. Um, it's going to be a little different than the the San Francisco meetup in that I hear many more people are attending. And St. Augustine, there's a lot of stuff going on in the city on that day right around that same that same area. Oh. We've got uh, the St. Augustine Christmas parades going on like three blocks away from the Fountain of Youth. Uh, the Fountain of Youth is having like a... Uh, public servant appreciation day where military members and veterans and I think police and first responders and stuff get in free or at like some huge discount. So there's going to be a a decent amount of people there. I uh, would recommend if you're coming to the meetup, come early to get parking or, you know, find parking throughout the city and and take like a red train or something up to the Fountain of Youth. Uh, I'm going to be there pretty early. I think we're going to meet at the Fountain of Youth for lunch uh, with, you know, whoever shows up. John Frazier, the owner of the Fountain of Youth, has given us like a discount sort of it's like coupons for I, I don't know exactly how much off the price of admission. So everybody that comes to the meetup will get a, a discount on the price of admission. Um, John Frazier is going to do a tour of the park. He's going to talk to everybody that's there about, you know, the history that that we're concerned with. His family's on the Fountain of Youth since before he was born. So he knows what's changed, what's been moved, cool. what's been added. Um, and he's going to give that tour. Then we're going to do a, a podcast recording that's essentially a Q&A with uh, Frazier anybody you know come you can ask your question it'll be on the be on the podcast um so yeah it's gonna be great we got uh, a bunch of kids are coming to people are bringing their kids so we got some stuff planned for the kids so they won't be bored it's it's gonna be awesome you know what bothers me why didn't you guys didn't do this for the san francisco meetup how come you're gonna have 70 people a scavenger hunt you know, <laughs> you're meeting the owner of the Fountain of Youth. What? I, it was like ghetto time out here. Now, now we got to step up our game, San Francisco. We got to really do it right. We're going to get the mayor. We're getting the press. Oh, we had the press out there. No, no press in St. Augustine. I don't think um, we had Matt in San Francisco. Yes. That was kind of cool. Okay, but celebrity. We're going to have we're, we're going to have Brian in St. Augustine. Oh, so, uh, Brian Zen's it. coming. I I I think he's bringing his cask. So Whoa. if you've never seen one and want to, yeah. Come on down. He, he better have some handlers around him. Keep that thing. I told handcuffed. him. I was like, uh, I was like, the Fountain of Youth has a safe. Don't worry, Brian. You want to carry it around all the time. And that's where the Fountain of Youth cask is in the safe yes. already. Um, you can put your cask next to the silver salt cask. <laughs> yes. Um, no. So now we got to make this an annual thing, and uh, we got to step up our game, San Francisco. But uh, we had a we had a good time out here. Um, it was super fun. So I'm jealous of you guys. That's going to be awesome. Well, you can come to the next one, the one after St. Augustine, which is New Orleans. I'm all over that. Yeah, 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 that sounds great. Find out what I'm willing to do for some beads. Flying Kit Palancar off that one. Yeah. Yeah. 
So anyway, these questions we've got are going to take forever. So Brett, Brett, what's our first question? Okay. Okay. So let's do this. First of all, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about etiquette and let's talk about the basic rules of the Facebook page. And for having 4,500 members or whatever we've got, we've only had to ban like, you know, what is it? 10 or 20 people. It's a handful. It's a, yeah, it's like 20 people. What's weird is we only banned like I could count on one hand the amount of people that we've had to ban since like before the Boston episode came out that the Facebook groups have been around since 2014, I think. And we banned like five, maybe six people, um, not not including like obvious spam accounts or whatever. But it's been a it's been a weird influx. It's it's tripled in like the past month. It's crazy. Yep. Um, I, I, I my my philosophy so the history of the Facebook page is kind of the Facebook page was around for a while and it didn't have an admin. And then sometime in like 2015, 2016, um, I was made the admin with, uh, you know, a couple of other people who, who left. Um, my philosophy when running a group like that was like, you guys don't need rules. Everybody is an adult, you know, every adults know how to interact with other adults. So my only rule was don't be a dick. And that's a really vague, it's a vague rule. Like who, who decides who's being a dick, but we all kind of know, right? Just, just don't be a dick and everything's fine. Since then we've updated those rules. <laughs> don't, don't encourage people to dig illegally because that became a problem. Um, if you say you found a cask, you better be able to prove it. So the rules have updated a little bit, but generally the, the broad rule is just don't be a dick. It's interesting because um, people will find new ways to force us to make rules. We don't want rules. I don't like rules. I, yeah, <laughs> I want to be able to just type freely and be a sarcastic a-hole and have fun and, um, you know, and say whatever I want. But like people just give them an inch and they take it a mile. Right. So it's not, I don't want to ban people. And, and the other thing is like, we give them plenty of opportunities, you know, it's like, it's, it's a, you know, and, and again, we're talking about a tiny percentage of everybody for the most part, everybody's cool. They're not like pounding on the family and JJP and, you know, Brian for the, uh, and Andy for the most part, but you know, there's those few, I guess we do have to make rules and say, Hey, don't, don't come in here, you know, and encouraging people to dig without a permit, for example. So just in case, just in case you're worried, like I know new people, you don't, you don't, you don't know your way around yet. You don't know, you know, what's going on in the, in the groups. You don't know it's philosophy or whatever. Let me tell you the process. If you're ever worried that you're going to post something that somebody's not going to like, and you're going to get banned, there's a process for that. If you post something that's sort of questionable, one of the mods will shoot you a message. We won't even really like, unless it's, obviously bad we won't even remove it right away we'll just shoot you a message and be like hey you might want to reword this or whatever uh if you don't do that people start reporting it or whatever we might remove the comment if you continue to do stuff like that we'll mute you so that you can't you can't post but we will also send you a message and let you know exactly why and you got to be a habitual offender to get banned it's not something like you do one thing or you insult one person and you're gone so don't worry. it takes work. And the other thing is like people using the page as their personal blog. And, you know, we had a case where somebody was seemingly breaking into private property, you know, filming it, putting it up a uh, bunch of bunch of craziness, got a warning, you know, 
um, did it again, got another warning, did it again. And finally, you know, third time was a charm. So like you just have to, it's, you're all, we're all adults and you just have to, you know, understand basic, uh, diplomatic behavior, I guess. And, and, uh, one, one thing that is certainly, and I've posted about this probably five times. Um, one thing that is certainly going to get you highly criticized is if you come in and say something like, Hey, I've been at this for three days and I hundred percent, thousand percent, 400% have the three cities solved. You know, you just, <laughs> we're not going to stop you from doing that, but you're probably going to get stopped by other members who, you know, that claiming that type of stuff um, irritates them for, for various reasons. So, you know, if you're going to come in like that, then you, you do have to expect you're going to get criticized and it might get a little heated. Yeah. So word to the wise, you do not want to post, Hey, I have solved blah, blah, blah. Unless you are attaching a photograph of yourself holding a cask. Uh, because if you're not, you have not solved it. Uh, just, it's that simple guys. Um, and Brett, Brett just said that we, we won't say anything. I will say something. <laughs> I will <laughs> I will comment on your post and I will say, hey, will you please kindly change that to I believe I have. And okay. I'm not doing that to be an asshole. I'm doing that to try and save you a lot of um, craziness that will come your way. Good. <laughs> it's just as easy to type. I think I have solved as it is to type. I have solved. And it's not just, you know, to save you, it's to save others, right? Uh, so many new members, they don't keep up with the intricacies of the secret. They're not on the Facebook page 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, they don't know what all's going on. So if they just pop into the page one day and they see some random Joe blows, like I solved New York, they're just going to think, oh, that sucks, man. I'm in New York and I was looking for that. That's exactly it. Don't get us wrong. We all want the next cast to be found. Oh, yeah. And we will all be super excited for you when you find it and you actually dig it up and have it. Now, yes, that comes with a little bit of tears on our side. If it's the one that we were looking for, we can tell you from uh, Brett, especially since he was looking for the San Francisco cask and that hoax happened, he can tell you the roller coaster of emotions he went through. So that that's, that's, that's where we're going with that. Uh, don't think we won't be excited for you. We want each and every one of you to find one. If you actually think you found a cask, um, there are things that you can do. Um, number one is let us know if you go to 12 treasures at the very bottom of the page, there's a contact us form. It goes right to our email. We all check it. We know people who can verify your cask. Like mm -hmm. if you find something, you take a picture of it, tell us where you found it, shoot us a picture. We can try to get it verified. I mean, I can't guarantee it 100%, but we have enough contacts with enough people to where we can send this around right. and say, is this legit? Is this plausible? I mean, when Boston came out, when that first picture came out, we had that verified in what, mm -hmm. an hour? If that long. We just couldn't say anything yeah. about it. Right. Yeah. Right. I, 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 we're not going to drop any names, but let's just put it this way. It, whoever it is you're thinking of trying to get a hold of, we probably know them. We can get a hold of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just let us know, man. We're, we're here to help. We're not, you know, we're not going to steal your idea. We're not going to jump your spot. We've been doing this long enough to where that's not an issue with us. We're mainly here just to help. So if you need the help, reach out. And so ways you can reach out. Um, those are uh, covered in the announcements as well. Um, 
at least I think that announcement is still up there, but if it's not, uh, there's a couple different ways. Super easy. 12treasures.com. I think our contact information is there. We have uh, direct messaging on Facebook. Uh, you can message us uh, individually or from the page, any of those. We also have an email address for you. It's thesecretpodcast at gmail.com. That's S-H-H-H, thesecretpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, a resource that I was super excited about but has not gotten a lot of usage is we have a phone number for you guys. So if you ever want to just give us a call, uh, you're welcome to. Uh, it's 904 904- Three two five six six three one. That's nine zero four three two five six six three one. It'll allow you to leave a message for us. If you just want to share an idea, go for it. If we have a specific question, um, we will uh, try our best to get back to you as soon as possible. You can leave your phone number. I can't guarantee it will call you, um, but if you leave an email address or something, you know that would be the the quickest, easiest way for us to get back in touch with you. Uh, but it's that's those are several ways you can get in touch with us. Yeah. One thing that we do ask though, is you give us a little bit of time. Like I woke up this morning. I actually took a, I took a screenshot of it. Hang on. I woke up this morning to 27 Facebook messages and 42 Facebook notifications. Um, I, I get like 10 emails a day. I do. I read them and it's just, sometimes it takes me a while to get back to you. I'm sorry. People get upset. They're like, it's been a week. Why haven't I heard back from George? I, you know, there's a lot of these. Um, so sometimes it takes me a little time, but, and, and the same with Bradley, we will reach out. If you say I hundred percent solve San Francisco, um, it's not going to make me cry. Uh, you will have to perpetrate a massive hoax to get, to get tears in my eyes, which Dr. Gay did. Uh, so, you know, if you want, if you do want to see me cry, you'll, you'll perpetrate another hoax. But the, you know, the point is, is that we're not going to get bummed out. And here's why five times a day with all of these pages, remember all of you aren't involved in all these pages. I think I'm part of like what, 10 secret pages, like five times a day. I see a post that says I solved it. And I feel bad for the person that says that because they're just going to get, pounded on you know what i mean so it's for your it's for your own good talking about being a member of that many different facebook pages there are several facebook pages available for everybody at this point um we are what a lot of people will refer to as the main facebook page that's what we're discussing today um and that is the secret podcast if you just look for the secret podcast that's us and then in some and in our tagline for our quote-unquote main page where most people post where we have the four point almost five thousand members is the secret byron price you'll see that at the end it'll be the secret a treasure hunt byron price if you just go to 12treasures.com you can find a little link in the middle of the page that says join group even easier and there are subgroups there's a subgroup for every city. Uh, so if you're really, really focusing on a specific site, um, if you look at the top of, of that page, once you go to Facebook, there's an announcement. Um, it's done by George and it has the link for every specific Facebook page for your site. Um, so it'll be a great resource for you to, to click on that and read through the history of research that your community has done there as well. And there are a couple of sites that none of us have much to do with, right? There There's the San Francisco one that is moderated by our friend, Bill. There's St. Augustine that's moderated by Vinny, but there's like three St. Augustine pages. So here's, here's how, here's how all of this came about. Um, in the beginning, uh, in the beginning, it, it's like secret Genesis one, one in the beginning, there was one page 
there was the secret, a treasure hunt, Byron Price. And when EU came out, there was an influx of people that that page had like 600 members. We were all super tight. Everybody worked together. It was great. When EU came out, there was an influx. There was a thousand people that were added to the page overnight. And the members of the original page uh, were mainly focused on solving Houston. Um, They were starting to complain like they've got all these people um, talking about different cities and they asked, they were like, can we create subgroups? So we made sub pages for, you know, every different city. Some were already made. Bill had already made the San Francisco page. So we were like, Bill's a great guy. Just, we're not going to, we're not going to make a page to compete with him. Um, Vinny had made the St. Augustine page. I don't really know Vinny, but I was like, I don't, you know, I don't want to compete with anybody. So whatever. Um, there was a, there was a New York page that was added. There's some drama there. But that's how the multiple groups started. And then, you know, people were like, you know, we want to start our own group to focus on this or we want to start our own group to focus on this and, you know, have at it. So if you're interested in the secret, there's probably 20 pages you can join to get the whole effect. So we talked about the different Facebook pages. Um, What about the different websites? So we talked about 12 treasures. So there's Q4T that uh, a lot of people ask about, and there's the wiki site that a lot of people have asked about. But as far as the wiki goes, um, some people call it the wiki, some people call it PBWorks, but there's a wiki site. um, And I would say the most useful thing on that site is the gridded out images. So when you're talking about the image with somebody else, you can say, hey, Mm -hmm. look at A3. This is what I see. And that's about mm-hmm. where it stops. And this is this is why I say that. So I told you guys uh, when I was t- telling you a little bit about myself um, that my wife and I saw the show. We got excited. We went on a trip. Well, of course, I did a Google search. And that's one of the very first websites that I stumbled onto. And when I did, of course, I immediately clicked on the Roanoke section. And it said, brightest day, this is the solve Roanoke. I was like, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that one was solved yet. So I started reading through it. And yeah, you know, a lot of what they have there makes sense. I don't disagree with a lot of it, but a lot of it doesn't make sense. For instance, here's why I have a big issue with the wiki. So the end of the solve that's listed on the wiki says, hey, the Roanoke cask is buried underneath the CRO tree. And we have checked and we have probed, but we don't have permission to dig it out or something to that effect. Um, but it, it says it is without a doubt, it is buried under the CRO tree. Well, okay, number one, that tree was not there in 1981. Number two, let's say there was a different prop tree. This is not a real tree, by the way, if you go to theater. Let's say it's a different prop tree. Okay, great, whatever. At the bottom of this tree is maybe a quarter inch of sand, maybe, and then a wooden platform. It's not ground. You can't bury something there. So whoever is supporting this site and whoever is the admin of the site clearly has not done the research to back up their (laughs) their solve. So when you're talking about the wiki, it's important to understand how the wiki came about and what it is. Right. So years and years and years ago, there was a forum called Quest for Treasure. Uh, Quest for Treasure has been around since like 2004, 2003. It's been around forever. And they decided uh, the members of Quest for Treasure decided that they needed what was essentially a knowledge base. They needed a place where they could put all of the information that they had in an easily digestible place so that they could reference it. Right. So the wiki was born and it was. Essentially, every single member 
were able to collaborate and change the information as needed. And then uh, over time, it got locked down and it got taken over by one person who now controls this. And, and yeah, it is kind of a sounding board. Um, you'll hear a lot of old members talk a lot of crap about the wiki and that's kind of why it was a bunch of information that was, that was garnered from a group that was taken over by somebody and used to sort of push their own agenda. And like Bradley was saying before, a lot of it's just flat out wrong up until this point, uh, the wiki saying that the Boston cask isn't even real because it was not where they thought it was. Um, they're, they're saying dig in a place in Roanoke that you physically can't dig it's a it's a wooden platform you you just can't dig there um but having said that there's still a lot of good information on the wiki you just sort of have to ignore the this is exactly where the cask is that's right and uh and i will i said it in a previous podcast and i will say it again this is where i went to get some good information i think i just let myself get swayed um, but like the grid system, I think is an awesome way to organize your search and be able to call out certain things right in the, in the images. I think yeah. that's really cool. Um, and there is some good information in there and at least, um, it's a good place to find like the verses by themselves and the, and the images by themselves. And when I, you know, before 12 tre- treasures came out or I got a book, I, I mean, that's where I was looking at, at images. And then I realized, you know, Hey, I've been looking yeah. at images that aren't, are, are pretty fuzzy, uh, for, for a long time. And that's, that's, that's sort of how 12 treasures was born. We wanted a place where we could take opinion out of the wiki, where we could take all of this information that is ver- that just the verified information and put it somewhere so that we wouldn't, it, it, it wouldn't, that information wouldn't be used to push just one idea everybody would be able to make up their own minds, which is, that's why we, we did city pages with a painting, but on that painting, you can switch between verses to whatever verse you want to use. Um, we're slowly populating 12 treasures. I, I haven't worked on it on putting the appropriate information on it as much as I had, but hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll get there soon. So George, you just mentioned the verses and the images and how you can swap between the different verses on 12treasures.com. Why aren't they cemented? Why, why, why would somebody want to switch? I mean, don't we know hundred percent certain without a doubt, which verse goes to which? The verses and the paintings aren't cemented on 12 treasures because we're not 100% sure they're correct. Um, we're like 90% sure they're correct, but not 100%. And people like to, you know, to mix and match. There's reasons we're 90% sure, and it's because all of the verses and the images and the cities, they all sort of have links to each other. Say, for instance, in the Cleveland verse, it tells you to seek the columns. The columns are in the painting. We know those two are linked. Mm -hmm. And then let's look at Chicago. Chicago tells you fence and fixture. Once you're on site, you see that fence and fixtures right there in the image. You know that is what goes to that verse. There's no question about it. My personal favorite one, Roanoke Island, that's that's the, the one that I feel like is undeniable. Go to the land near the window. Yeah. And then Roanoke Island is right there next to the window in the painting. And then in the images, some of them have latitude and longitude coordinates. Some of them have like outlines of states. For instance, New Orleans has the outline of Louisiana. Uh, Cleveland has the outline of Ohio. So we're able to link we're able to use things like that to link them to cities. So we can link the uh, verse with the image for something in the verse that calls out something in the image. We can link the image to the city by something in the image that calls out the city. And then there are other ways. Um, 
in in the Milwaukee painting, there's an acrostic that says Milwaukee. In the New Orleans painting, there's a a quote from a book about New Orleans. Same in in um, same in Charleston. We're, we're we're gonna get emails on that. That's not an acrostic. Well, whatever. No, no, it's not an acrostic. <laughs> what is it? What is that? It's a rebus. A rebus. Yes. Do yes, you- I don't. I don't want to fill those emails, George. Okay, so the the exact question that came in, and I want to make sure, I don't remember who the person was that left the voicemail for this, but how are the paintings and the verses matched? And that's a very specific question, and that's not a question that can be answered with 100% certainty, and I think that that's what you're hearing us, us say. Nah, I'm not going to middle ground this one. Um, I, they're pretty well matched up pretty perfectly to me, because... So there's 12 puzzles in all, right? Uh, there's 12 different cities. There's 12 different verses. There's 12 different paintings. There's 12 different cities, whatever. Each of them are linked to each other in specific ways, but but overall, there's a pattern, right? Most of the paintings have um, either a, a map of the state or latitude and longitude coordinates, a zip code, um, something in them that tells you this is at least the state you should be looking in for this image. Most of the verses have something that calls out something in the image that says, this is the verse you should be using with this painting. Some of the verses have things that call out cities. So if you have like the new Orleans painting that has the state of Louisiana in it, and then you have the new Orleans verse that has a quote about new Orleans in it, you know, those two are matched together. Same with Charleston. You have Charleston has Peninsula of Charleston in the painting. It has Fort Sumter in it. And then you have a verse for Charleston with a quote from a book about Charleston. You know, those two things are matched together. Uh, Cleveland has seek the columns for your search and you have a painting with columns in it. You know, those two are are matched together. Uh, Florida has a big, huge outline of Florida in it. And then you have a verse that talks about the Saloy Indians who we're in Florida. You know those two are matched together. So those are pretty concrete ways, and they span all the 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 pattern of how to match them together spans all of the verses in the paintings. So it, in a way that where it just can't be coincidence. Let me just finish my thought though, because you've you've also in in what you're talking about, you've said ways that the painting can be matched to the city or the verse can be matched to the city. And the question was. How are the paintings and verses matched? They're not. There's, there's, there's three, there's three things. Right. But that's what the instructions say to do is what, well, okay. And I think that's what the question comes from. Ah, uh, okay. I see what you're saying. The hub that is tying together the paintings and the verses is the city. Do you see what I'm saying? So like for San Francisco, right. but you got the la- this- latitude and longitude. And then, uh, you know, you, and then you're tying the verse to the city, tying the verses and the images together is not necessarily just like a like a, st- a standard given. They're usually tied around the hub of the city that those that the that the verse and the image refer to. That's the point I'm making. What's misleading about that is not it. it there, you don't really match a verse with an image. There's three different Correct. things that all have to fit together perfectly. There's a city, there's a, there's an image, there's a verse. So it's not that like, how do we match the verse to the image? Right. That's the wrong question. How to, how right. does it all fit together? Like that question's like asking why does two plus two right. equal seven? It doesn't right. You have to match, you, you have to pair 
three things together yes. perfectly. Right. We're not just working with the next Y. We're working with the next Y and a Z here. Um, and that's what a lot of people miss. Right. So, just to give an example of how not 100% um, we are uh, <laughs> uh, in agreement of having these solved. George says 90%. I say like 80% because I am not in the party that the Milwaukee verse goes with the Milwaukee image that's normally accepted. Um, and Seriously? This, this, yeah, absolutely. Due, due to the community, 100% to the community and what they have presented in the last few months, I am – 99.9 i'm not gonna be that guy that says 100 percent on expedition unknown there's too many of those i am 99.9 percent certain that the verse that we have been pairing with milwaukee goes with the montreal image okay well that's okay and by the way the difference between 100 percent and 99.9 percent sure bradley is only 0.1 percent so you're basically no, saying no, you're no. 100%. Uh, don't make me that guy. I'm, I'm just, not that guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't be that guy. Um, I, I Listen, somebody recently, and I wish I remember her name, you guys might, um, put up um, a solve in Montreal that used the, the Milwaukee verse. That is Sabrina. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, Sabrina. I thought, And I even told her. I thought that was pretty good, you know? It absolutely is. And, and Sabrina gives a lot of credit to other hunters as well. So I highly recommend you guys watch her video and I highly recommend um, that you give that some thought. But also, I can't believe we haven't mentioned this yet. Uh, our international community is amazing. Um, guys, oh, yeah. ladies, yeah. if your first language is in English, no biggie. We have a translate button. Please don't feel like uh, anybody is going to think less of you or make fun of you. Please feel free to post in whatever language you are comfortable posting in. And it is on us to make sure that we're able to go in and translate it. And Facebook makes it pretty easy for us to do that. So thank you so much for, for being members and for um, joining in and, and helping out the community. I mean, George barely speaks English. So why should anybody international That's true. You know, feel, feel ashamed? I, I mean, you know, if George can do it, we can all do it. I only speak in four letter words. Yes. I, I noticed <laughs> that. <laughs> um, but anyway, okay. So the cool thing to understand is that there isn't an exact answer for that, that we know of yet. Maybe there is, and we just haven't determined it. The other thing is that none of us really agree either. So, you know, sometimes I see these battles on the Facebook page. Oh, the vets are just grizzled vets. And the, you know, they think things are a certain way because, you know, they can't stand the conventional or, or sorry, they can't stand when a new, a quote unquote new, become we don't agree with each other i don't agree with matt you know necessarily i don't agree with with george on a lot of stuff or bradley or or whoever so don't think that it's like us against them type of mentality here it's more of like are you coming in and are you adding value and are you being diplomatic about it or are you sorry to get back to the rules but are you or are you coming in and saying you're all wrong you grizzled angry vets and this, you know, I'm right and I'm new and forget you guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. but that's, I mean, that's a valid argument that new members have about old members holding to their, to their beliefs. Um, it's, it, it's a problem that we had for a long time and nobody really called anybody on it because everybody assumed that the old members were correct. And even I did. Mm -hmm. um, but Boston, Boston screwed that up for everybody. Like there was no, 
there was no real path to Boston. There was no path theories gone. Moon theory, that's gone. Like, I'm sorry, shadow theory, gone. There, There's no real... Boston made me feel like a complete idiot. Yeah, Boston was just so dumb. Like, stupid simple. Um, and it's made all of the old members sort of take a step back. Like, it's something we've noticed in, in the Facebook pages. People are like, why aren't any of the old members posting? Well, that's a good reason. Like, all of their theories were just thrown out the door. Um, they're relearning, too. So mm-hmm. the Boston, Boston came out and leveled the playing field for everybody. It doesn't matter if... You just you just got into the hunt watching that episode or if you like Matt, you've been in the hunt since 1982. Uh, It's a level playing field now. All old theories are gone. Now, I'm sure I'm sure there 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 is a I'm sure there is an overarching theory to all of these puzzles. But I think Boston proved we don't know what that is yet. And having said all of that about old timers, uh, don't take it the wrong way whenever you post a theory and an idea and somebody challenges you on it and those when you challenge people on it do so in a nice way present your argument in a like an adult (laughs) Uh, this is a friendly community but also when somebody does do that please don't take offense and lose it on that person we're here to make each other better and as it's said very often if we don't challenge each other's ideas we're not moving forward so yes we all want to be nice but let's not be bradley nice I think uh, I think the problem is that old members come at the puzzle in a different direction than new members do. Old members are used to collaborative information, right? Somebody puts out a piece of information and then everybody researches it and says whether that information is right or wrong. Right. So if a new member comes in and says, hey, I think uh, I think uh, this verse is talking about Peoria because it says, you know, blah, blah, blah. And one of the old members comes in and says, no, that's wrong. That's a quote from this, whatever. They're just trying to give you the information. Generally, they're not trying to be an ass about it. They're not trying to put you down. They just want you to have the information that they have. And new members sort of take it the wrong way. They think like, oh, we should have a conversation about Peoria instead of just being like, no, this fits in this other place. You see what I'm saying? So it, it falls on the poster as well a little bit to know how to take criticism. Here's the flip side. I have seen a trend of since the Boston find I'm struggling with the solve. Okay. Or or, or, the, the conventional uh, theory of what the solve is. Okay. I I watched the episode a couple of times and then I've been in a lot of discussions about the Boston solve itself. Am I a hundred percent on board? Um, no, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I, I, I'm struggle in getting from, uh, you know, getting from point A to point point Z in that one. Now here's the deal though. What people are doing is that they're taking that very same, uh, the, the solve that was laid out and they're applying it to all the other, uh, all the other, you know, the, the other cities. So for example, it's, said that the word Boston is written in the Boston image, right? So everybody's now looking for San Francisco written in the San Francisco image and the, you know, New York written in the dress of the, and, and fine, it might be, I just want to caution people to to be careful of going into all the images and just looking for, for words. And I, I will tell you that um, I, because if that is Boston in the Boston image. It's not like 
Cleveland is written in the Cleveland image or Chicago's written in the Chicago that I've seen. Maybe it is in there, but I, you know, I'm, I haven't found it yet. And I still struggle that, that, that that's Boston in there, even though the artist said so himself. So, you know, what I'm saying is that, you know, there, there's a, there's a reason why some of the newer people that are coming in, uh, based upon the, uh, the Boston episode and the Boston find in particular are getting extra criticism. It's because they're taking that solve very literally and trying to apply it to everything else. When you look at art as an artist, it's different than when you look at art as a viewer, right? When you look at art as a viewer, you see for instance, Boston, you see a woman holding a box in front of a window with a bird next to her and some globes and blah, blah, blah. When you look at that as an artist, you see shapes, you see um, cylinders, you see uh, spheres, you see triangles. Art is sort of created that way. It's created as random shapes that are defined into much larger images, right? Mm -hmm. The the lady is a, a rectangle on top of a circle with some triangles, and then it's fleshed out to look like a lady. So when you start looking for things in the image, like letters, letters are the same way. They're just, they're angles, they're curves, they're circles, they're whatever. You'll be able to find them in the image just because of how the image is laid out. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're right. So on the topic of that, finding letters and, and, things in the images uh so everybody uh, for the most part has a copy of the book if you don't have a copy of the book um highly recommend you get one we'll talk a little bit more about that later but the images in the book from jjp's perspective from byron price's perspective from everybody that worked on this puzzle together everything that's printed in the book save maybe a clue in the new york puzzle came out exactly how it needs to be for you to be able to find it what does that mean that means to me at least that you do not have to super zoom into these images to Mm. find tiny numbers and tiny letters that are blemishes in the background of the paint it's it's absolute in my opinion not necessary or helpful in you finding a solve let's look at boston the biggest clue was smack in front of my face the entire time it was a home plate on her sleeve and once it was solved it's like holy crap how mm-hmm. did i miss that well you want to know why i missed that because i used to do what a lot of other hunters are doing and i used to blow up the image on my tv screen zoom into the finest little details i could and think that there's got to be clever little clues hidden in these brush strokes there's not they're not there. Yeah. Save yourself some time. I have the book that Rob and his friends used to solve the Chicago cask. I have the very same book that uh, Andy and Brian had when they solved Cleveland. I have, uh, I, I don't know if Jason has the original book or not, right? But here's, here's my point. Um, you, we don't need fancy stuff. We don't need anything fancy. We don't need blown up um, images. We don't need, I don't know, maybe, maybe some of the little clues got lost in the printing, but I mean, in general, we're, we're by just a book in our hands. um, We're using the same tools that finders used. And by the way, Rob didn't have an art history degree. Andy and Brian weren't painters and knew the nuances of, of painting and things like that. And I'm just saying uh, my point is to take a step back, put yourself in the shoes of a person that would have been looking at this in 1982 and, and, and try to, try to start there. 
I used to I used to always tell people that that fence post in Chicago, that's pretty obviously the fence post in Chicago. Yeah. The, in the painting, it's obvious what it is on site. Right. The the water tower, it's obvious that's the water tower. Right. In Cleveland, the terminal tower, that's obviously that's the terminal it. tower. The Correct. planner is obviously the planner. The the columns are obviously the columns. In Boston, that home plate. That's obviously home plate. I used to tell people that before Boston were found. And, and, and the response from everybody was always, you know, these are they get progressively more difficult and maybe the, the clues get more obscure or whatever. But Boston showed us that's just not the case. Like two, two things that are similar don't necessarily make a pattern, but three do. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's becoming a pattern that the things that you need to see are very obvious and they're very exact. They're not maps of areas they're not maps of rivers they're Mm -hmm. nothing like that it's just very obvious this is what this is and maybe it's hidden a little bit like home plate you don't necessarily know what it is but it's it seems to be very obvious so the like i know 12 treasures has the super high-res images that you can zoom in and see essentially the printing dots but in the three that were solved you didn't need to do that these are these are the three that were solved were hard not because you had to dig into history or you had to dig into the art or you had to zoom in on things they were hard because they were vague right that that home plate that's vague like if you weren't if you didn't live in chicago you would have never solved chicago if, if if they hadn't found those words on the planner in Cleveland and that that being such an exact match, Cleveland would have never been found. That dude that lived in Boston, like that, Jason, he said he walked past that every day and suddenly it just clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 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 what makes these puzzles difficult. It's it's difficult to solve them when you're not there. So the advantage that we have is that we have the Internet so we can start checking stuff out and you don't have to leave your couch. Right. Or your desk. Yeah, but that that leads to more problems, right? Before Boston came out, you you wouldn't imagine the theories people had for what feel at home means. And then suddenly it's just home plate. And and that's what I'm saying. So the the advantage that we have is that we can check stuff out and we can research stuff a lot, you know, a lot easier, right? We don't um we don't have to pick up and walk down to the li- the local library and look for, you know, obscure uh, literary references and right. So we, you can just Google stuff. Right. But the, but the disadvantage that we're at is that all, like a lot of the stuff has changed over time, um, due to construction and due to weather and, and just all sorts of things and, and just natural disasters and stuff. And so, um, you know, if you're just using Google and you don't have the perspective of somebody that was checking that stuff out in 1981 or 1982 or, or the advantage of having those photos and stuff, you're, you're actually at a disadvantage and you're going to end up down rabbit holes that you that you probably don't want. So I said this uh, several times and I still stand by it 100 percent. The people that are from the areas where these are hidden have a huge advantage over anybody else searching. And I will tell you, in my personal opinion, the best resource you can find to help you find one of these casks is not going to be at a website. It's not going to be on a Facebook group. If you can find somebody around 50 to 60 years old that has lived in that area since they were young, then they are going to be, in my opinion, the absolute best resource for finding these casks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So something, something that Bradley or Brett said that I want to touch on is, um, complex literary references because some of these verses do have obscure references in them charleston and new orleans those quotes come from a really obscure book (laughs) right um but once you find that book once you find those quotes 
it's pretty obvious what the quotes are, what city the quotes are talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, the same with Boston. Boston's got the, the, the Lytocles is north of Xenophon or however you pronounce that. But once you find that quote, you know what city you're supposed to be in. Uh, the Houston, the Houston verse has got a quote from Herman Melville. It's mm. it's in Herman Park. Um, it's got a quote from Atlas Shrugged, which is a, a book not about, but about railroads. The verse also references the the um, the train tracks that are right nearby. Like the literary references are kind of obscure. They've mostly been found by now, and they've put you in either they put you exactly where you need to be. I think um, you pronounced Xenophon correct, but I think the correct pronunciation of that other T word is Thuckadiddies. <laughs> well, whatever. Um, I just made that up. That's completely JM in our original in our, in our in our original podcast, JM pronounced it the Lyticles. And I am going with the Lyticles from now on. Well, there's no L in there. I could tell that. I think <laughs> it's, it's Thuckadides, bro. Thuckadides. Okay. Um, but you're absolutely right. So, okay. Okay. So um, move, move, moving on though, we are at a distinct yet uh, distinct advantage and disadvantage today. That's the point I was trying to make. That solves nothing or does nothing for us. I was just kind of pointing that out. But I love the fact um, of what you guys are saying, which is like get back to basics take a huge step back. Think of yourself as like a teen or a young, young person in 1981. And you just grab this book off a shelf and went, Hey, this is pretty cool. Some kind of puzzle book by this guy, you know, this is going to be pretty neat. What would you do? Right. And that's, you know, that's the, the way to start rather than getting all wrapped up in all this stuff that we're overly complicates everything on the Facebook pages and the, this and the, that, and the Q4, just try to take a big step back. Think more highlights a magazine and less CIS. Yeah, exactly. Correct. So, Brett, we got a lot of questions. We do have a lot of questions. So let's just let's just yeah, knock them out. Let's one knock by them one. out one by one. We'll give you our best answer, and uh, we'll hey take guys, a dinner. Yes, sir. I had an idea. We, we've got a couple questions. Can we just knock them out one by one? Let's do that. Hey guys, I have a really good idea. Oh God, what is it? Let's read a question and then let's answer it one okay. by one. Hey. That sounds awesome. <laughs> That's, that sounds like a really good idea, Britt. It's a good idea you had just now about picking a question and answering it one by one. Okay. Shoot. Hey, what about the book? Where can I find a book? So the book is really difficult to find if you want a first edition. There is a reprint out and the images suck. Like they're just flat out. Nobody will tell you the images are good, but the rest of the book is perfect. And the puzzle is more than just the images, you know, I don't, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but it is. There's a lot more to the book than and the puzzle than just the images. So get the reprint. The reprint's only like 15 bucks. Um, right. You won't. It's so cheap. You won't care. You can write your own notes in it or whatever. And then use use 12 treasures for the images. That's the best scans you'll ever find. Um, and you can bring them up on your phone, you know? Uh, so, so get the original book, write all your notes in it, take it with you on site, take your phone with you. So you got the images. That's all you need. If you absolutely want an original book, don't buy one now because anytime this hunt gets any kind of publicity prices for the book shoot up, they go like when the original EU episode came out, there were like three grand for a book. Give it like four months. They'll drop back down. I don't think I've ever spent more than 150 bucks on a book aside from once, but that was as a favor to somebody. Um, 
the prices will come back down. Normal price for the book's about 150 bucks. Right. Do you buy a stock at the top of its price range? Yes, I have done that a ton. Don't do what Brett does. Buy it when it hits its low. But uh, I just gave away my reprint. Oh, I don't even have one. Uh, I, I've had one and I gave it away because it's, you know, it's it's like you said, you can, you can, uh, like if you have an original, don't do that. But but you can do that with a reprint. You can easily replace it. Now you tell me I'm not supposed to give away originals. Uh, do not give those away. Well, sell them <laughs> if you can. George says, you know, wait four months. But if you are patient enough, you will eventually find a great deal. I waited a year and a half before I bought my first original. And I got a great price and it was in excellent condition considering it's a 40-year-old book. So just be patient. And it'll it'll come your way. Um, I'm not saying don't spend the money, but you know some people have that to spend. But don't spend the money. I found one on uh, on Goodwill or at Goodwill for a, like a buck ninety nine. This was like Jeez. five months ago. Yeah, you know what really sucks? Um, if you go on Quest for Treasure, so Quest for Treasure is this old forum that you probably can't get on, but you can still read it. There's this section for people who are looking to trade books or looking for a place to find books. And like six years ago, you could have bought a copy, a first edition copy of the secret signed by Byron price for less than 10 bucks. Wow. That's pretty amazing. I think uh, Brett had a really great idea about us taking a question, answering it. Um, and we're not sticking to it. So let's go on to the next one. Uh, can I skip this? Can, Why don't you guys ever listen to me? Hey, I got to really, I, I know, I'm pretty sure where this where this cask is hidden. How can I submit my solution? Uh, you can't. You can't. Uh, there's nobody that knows where these things are buried. Um, John Palancar doesn't know where they're buried. Uh, the family of Byron Price doesn't know where they're buried. The current publisher doesn't know where they're buried. There is a form in the back of the reprint, but it's the exact same form that was in the first book, aside from a change of address. Uh, nobody knows where they're buried. The only way you can solve this is by digging one up. Having said that, there are some ways that you can figure out if you're on the right path. Um, you can send your solution to us. We'll take a look at it. We'll ask around to the people that we know if if any of it's correct. Yeah, we may get an answer. We may not. But submitting it to the publisher, that's not going to work. Uh, for some reason now, I've heard uh, I've heard that he's telling you that he'll that the publisher will go and dig up your spot. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't necessarily trust the publisher of the new book. Um, I would never send him my solution. Why would he even do that? Go like just in, for New York or for everywhere? Like I don't know. That sounds silly. The, the example I heard, he was on the, the the so so the current owner is in New York. Um, the digger is on the other side of the country um, in California, and he was like, "Hey, send me your solution. I'll I'll go dig it for you." Like what? What? Well, see, I, I heard another one. Yeah, yeah. It, the solution was in was in San Francisco, and he was like, "Yeah, we've got people that'll dig it for you." But I don't, you know, I'm I'm pretty close with some people who have worked on this book. I've I've had plenty of messages between me and the the publisher of the book. I've never gotten any indication that he has ever or will ever dig. So just, I'm not saying don't send him your solutions if you don't want to, but be cautious. I can tell you what you're going to get. You're going to get a letter and that letter is going to say, thank you for your uh, theory. We do not have the solutions. We will record it as we do all of them. 
the the uh, estate of Byron Price owns the gyms, and they will not be awarded without a cascade key. That's the solution you're getting, in, in, in my own words. How, you, what you should do is, uh, you know, there's a form back here in the back of the book to send in your sightings. You should definitely do that. We should send all of our sightings yeah. that Matt and others have come up with <laughs> to the book. Yeah. Compile <laughs> all of those sightings. Monday morning at work, I'm going to print out every yes. single one of Matt's sightings. I'm going to send yes. them to John Colby. Yes. Just mark my word. Let's see what we get in return. So, Bradley, Bradley, I got a question for you, and it's a very important question, okay? It's the most important question of your life. I'm 100% serious about this. I know where the cask is in Peoria. I do. Can I just send my solution to, like, Byron's family or to John Palancar or to Josh Gates? I know Josh Gates will care. I'm 100% certain it's in Peoria. Can I send it to them? Well, I'll tell you what. You absolutely can. Um, that's if you're looking for a restraining order <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> something other than trying to find the cast. Uh, no. Um, JJP does not know where the treasures are. Even if he didn't know where the treasures are, he was a dear friend of Mr. Byron Price, and he is not going to give out any information. And that's assuming that he might even know anything above and beyond doing the paintings. Who knows? Uh, Byron's family, they were not part of putting this this together. Heck, Byron, uh, is, is it public knowledge that Byron went and dug and hid one during a date with Sandy? Yeah, that's public knowledge. Okay, great. So, so Byron even left a date that he was on with Sandy and went and dug and hid one of these. She had no idea. So, no, the family has no idea. Don't bother them. Unless you have a casket key, and don't even bother them if you have one. Reach out to us. We will get the right people in touch with you. And then you'll get to meet them and you'll get a gym most likely. Before we get to Josh Gates, this is important. I want to expand on, like, and, and in all seriousness, when you're sending these solutions to Byron's family, remember that you're sending them to a widow. You're sending them to people who's like two kids who whose father died. You're sending them a constant reminder of, of their lost loved one in a way that makes it feel like the only reason people care about him is because he buried some boxes in the dirt. Like it's painful for them to get these messages. And they've said that numerous times. They've asked very politely, leave them alone. Please respect that. Like they they love the fact that people remember Byron. They love the fact that people remember his work and is still working on the treasure. They love the fact that we honor his memory. They don't like constantly being reminded mm -hmm. about it. As far as JJP goes, people have shown up to that man's house. Like people have literally shown up to his house where he's felt scared. Uh, people send him, uh, he, he, people used to send him letters on his website so much that he took his website offline. Like he is a professional artist. There's no way online to contact him anymore. That's how bad this got for him. People found his phone number. They call him. People found his physical address. They show up. They mail him letters. He used to be very polite, right? When you mailed him a letter, he would mail you back a little card. He would sign and he would write, I'm sorry, I don't know where any of the treasures are and blah, blah, blah. But it's gotten to be so much that he just flat out stops responding. Last I talked to him, he said that people are starting to reach out to like his wife is a is a is an art teacher in a middle school. People are reaching out to the school, trying to get in touch with his wife. People are reaching out to Kit, trying to get to his dad. People are reaching out to 
other artists that are friends with Palancar. People are like, stop. He, he doesn't know. And this puzzle, this is a great puzzle, but it's not worth doing this to these people. And it's also not going to get you anywhere. What are you trying to accomplish by contacting JJP or the family? They don't know where these things are. They're not going to read through your solve or your theory and like sit down over a cup of tea with you and walk through it and congratulate you on being the best puzzle solver ever. They're not going to do it. So if that's what you're looking to accomplish, even more reason to just keep working on it independently and on online with the people that want to talk to you about it, not the people that don't want to talk to you about it. I'll, I'll tell you this, man, JJP didn't appear on two episodes of EU, uh, uh, you know, out of the kindness of his heart, they paid him a lot of money mm-hmm. to be on those episodes and he, he wouldn't even tell them where they were. He wouldn't give them any hints, you know? And if somebody's willing to pay him a lot of money and he's still not going to give him any hints and he's not going to tell anybody where, why is he going to do that for you? He really respects his friend. He respects his friend's memory. He respects the project they did. He's not going to help you. And th- this is a good time to point out that this this treasure hunt was not just put together by a bunch of professionals that got together to make a buck. Yeah, absolutely. It was made to sell a book. No question about that. But 90% of the people that worked on this project were really close friends. Yeah. They're going to respect each other. They're going to respect Byron. They're not going to help you. Okay. And so Josh Gates, let's talk about how do I reach out to Josh yes. Gates? Josh Gates would absolutely love to find another cast. There's no question about that. He is into this hunt as much as, if not more so, than a lot of other people on our community. Now, here's the thing. you got to imagine, let's say you're a big Clint Eastwood fan and you want to meet Clint Eastwood. Well, do you think sending Clint Eastwood a message about his hobby is going to get him to respond to you without you having some sort of substantial proof that whatever you're sending is something he's interested in talking to you about? No, absolutely not. Josh Gates, I don't know this for a fact, but I have to imagine that he probably gets triple digit emails daily, if not weekly, about this this hunt. And he is not going through and reading each and every one of them. He has staff. The staff of producers are going through your messages, and if they don't have an attachment with a picture of a cask or something extremely compelling, like a picture of a broken cask, then they are not going to reach back out to you anytime soon. I've heard so many people say, I emailed Josh Gates, my solve. So many. I've never heard one person say they emailed me back except for the guy who sent him a picture of the lid. They emailed that dude back. I'll say this just real quick. I don't want to discourage anybody from emailing Josh Gates, though, because he has never discouraged anyone. He has said time and time again, send them on, but you're probably not going to get a response. But that's the thing that I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is that I I don't understand. There's like two types of people in this thing. There's, there are the side of people that just want to solve it. And then there are other people that like want attention from it or think that they're going to get on TV because they put a couple of minutes in, you know, so I, I really don't see the, unless you've got a cask that has a key in it, I really don't see why so many people are trying to contact these people, just try to solve it. And then you'll get all the attention that you need. You know, I'm just want people to think twice before they're, they start you know, throwing information all over the place. So if I don't reach out to Josh Gates and get permission to dig, who's going to let me dig? 
Um, not many people right now. Um, so five, not even five years ago, two years ago, maybe even a year ago in some situations, I could have told you that I could get your permission to dig anywhere in any city that you want. I can't do that anymore. But I'm a hundred percent, one hundred percent right. Yeah, did you George. hear that? Why He's a hundred percent. Yeah, I got it. So I got, yes. I got it. Um, Keep that in mind. So searchers used to be very respectful, right? Um, there's a lot of talk about permits now and filing for permits or whatever. You don't need that. You just need permission from somebody at the park, right? You need to walk up to somebody and get permission to be able to dig. And searchers used to do that. Uh, Brian and Andy. When they dug up Cleveland, they had permission. They had a park worker there. They had the news there. It was weird. But searchers were very respectful and parks were very accommodating. And when the it really happened at the second episode of EU, it started happening in the first. It got really bad in the second. It's horrible with the third. People just don't care. They just go out and just dig you know, a hole wherever and they leave it open. They don't fill it in. They don't respect the parks. And the the parks are all tired of it. So they're not really entertaining conversations right now. The best way to get permission to dig is just continue to be respectful, continue perseverance. Um, keep asking the parks, let as long as you are respectful and they see that you are respectful over time, they might warm up and help you. Um, and now some parks like San Francisco, you just fill out a form, you go dig. Some parks like the Fountain of Youth, you just call John Fraser, you ask him and he lets you. If, you know, if he doesn't think you're crazy, he'll let you dig a hole. Um, but some places like Milwaukee, like White Point Gardens, they're just sort of shut down right now. And it's because of the disrespect. Once the respect for the parks come, come back, they'll loosen up. But right now... It's hard, man. So what I hear you saying, George, is instead of going through the right methods, what I should do is put on a hard hat, a high-vis vest, and go in the middle of the night and dig myself because that's the only way I'm going to be able to check it. Is that what I'm hearing you say? So so if you do that, odds are if you find a cask, you're going to get prosecuted because eventually what you, you can't keep it a secret forever. You're going to let it out. And what's the point of finding a cask if you don't? make it public and people acknowledge it. Like you want this thing sitting on your, you know, bookshelf that bad and nobody knows you've got it. Um, but that's how Byron did. You're going to get in trouble. That's how Byron did. That's how he wants us to do it. Yeah. Byron price may have dressed up in a hard hat and a vest and went in the middle of the night to dig these spots. But I think it's less likely that he was trying to do something illegally or he knew that it was illegal than it is like if I walk into a park and see some random dude in the middle of the day digging a hole and then putting something in that hole and burying it, the first thing I'm going to do is walk over there, dig it up and see what he was trying to bury. Right. But if I see a park worker, eh, not so much. I'm going to leave it, whatever. They're just to be fair. Job. He went in. He probably had an exact spot, went in. It was probably dangerous as well and dug a hole and buried something, right? We're talking about yeah. entire areas of parks getting probed to crap, dug up, huge holes, huge. Yeah, you, don't do that. Okay, it'd be w- one thing if it but was just, one Byron, you know, replicating one Byron's yeah. uh, process, but we're talking thousands of people just, pe- you know. Well, what I'm what I'm trying to do is give you a reason that Byron would have dressed up like that that's not 
because I know I'm breaking the law and other people are going to have to break the law to do it too, right? That's people's argument. Byron broke the law. He dressed up knowing that he was breaking the law. He snuck in under the cover of darkness so that he wouldn't get caught and prosecuted. It's less likely that he did all of that for that reason than it is, I just don't want people to come behind me and dig these things up right after I leave because they're curious about what I put in the ground. Don't try to be like Byron. You're not trying to sell a book. You have a shitty solve. (laughs) Don't go to jail over it. Absolutely. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. And uh, keep on track with our questions. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when Byron was uh, burying these, um, he, he obviously wanted us to only be able to find them by going with the images and the clues and the verses and tracking them down. He didn't want to make it too easy. So... What about metal detectors? Are there metals in the cast? Can we use a metal detector? Maybe. Maybe. It's a big maybe. There's two types of metal detectors. There's one that's very deep and one that's very shallow. One that detects very deep, one that detects very shallow. If you use one of the ones that detect very deep, maybe you can find it. But the problem with that is it's going to detect every single thing that's metal to like a five foot distance. You're going to be digging up every single nail and every single penny and every single soda can pop top that's in that park. You'll never find a cask with it. The ones that are that are shallow, they're not deep enough to, to find the cask. Is there metal in the casks? That's also a maybe. Um, out of all the casks that we've got, we, we know of five casks right now. We know, or, I'm sorry, we know of four casks right now. We know of the tribute cask. We know of Cleveland. Uh, Chicago and Boston. Cleveland uh, or Chicago was not broken, but it did have metal in the lid. Uh, it had metal in the the very top of the lid. Cleveland was broken and had a little bit of metal in the top of the lid and in the key. Boston was destroyed and had absolutely no metal in the key. And it had um, burlap in the lid instead of metal. Um And then we know of the tribute cask, which the tribute cask lid was broken and it had metal in it and not burlap. So it's weird. All of these, they're constructed a little differently. So does it have metal in it? Yes. No, maybe. I don't know. But that little bit of doubt that it might not like the the Boston one, Boston one, no metal in the lid, no metal in the key. That little bit of doubt just takes metal detectors out like even if a metal detector could find it, you can't be sure that the cask that you're looking for has metal in it. So fun fact to know and love, guys. Uh, the the casks were designed by, the original cask was made by Joe Ellen. Then they hired a company to replicate that and make sure that there were 12 identical boxes. But as George has just pointed out, we are finding that there may have been some experimentation going on with creating these boxes because they were, while they look the same, they were not constructed the same. So there's a lot of mystery still to be solved. Yeah, very much so. So these these all look the same, but, but how big are they? Because in the pictures, they, they look like in the palm of a hand that, you know, they may be somewhere between, what, four inches to a foot? How, I mean, how big are these really? So the plexiglass boxes are about eight inches square by 10 inches high. They're a little taller than they are wide. Um, the casks themselves are, they're tiny. They really will. They'll fit in the palm of your hand. Um, and the boxes are just like eight inches square seems like kind of big 
until you're until you put into perspective the size of the park and how far down you have to dig. And that's been a question too, like how far are these buried? We don't know how far Boston was buried down. Cleveland and Chicago were about 18 inches, not two and a half feet. But that far down looking for something that small, probes are going to be hard to hit it. Like, uh, man, the the size of that makes finding these things with a probe difficult. It does. Absolutely. So a a pro tip, and I say that um, knowing fully that I am not a pro, but pro tip, whenever I go and I have a suspected area and I have permission to go inspect this area, what I do is I set out a grid of about one inch by one inch um, for each for each sector of my grid. And then what I can do at that point is if I find a spot, I've hit something, I think mm, that might be a cask, I go from point to point in my grid. And if I have exceeded the size of the cask or it's much smaller than the cask should be, I know that is not a cask and it saves me the time from digging. I went with a hunter to the Fountain of Youth um, as a brand new hunter, just got in after the most recent episode of Expedition Unknown to the Fountain of Youth and they were doing their dig and I was invited to come out and check it out. And she did the most ingenious thing I've ever seen. And for the life of me, I cannot figure out why I didn't think of it. She took a big piece of wooden lattice and she laid it down on the ground and she just started poking holes mm-hmm. in the center of each piece of lattice because those holes are the proper distance for like if you poke in all of those holes, you can be sure that nothing the size of the cask is going to get past you. So something you should throw in your dig bag is this huge six by eight foot piece of lattice. Now, seriously, like the lattice is, it's a great idea. It will, it'll help you narrow down that spot. So like, you don't have to, you don't have to guess. You just poke a hole in the middle of the lattice. I'm mad at you for not sharing this earlier, George. I I do this in a much more complex way. I'm going to go buy some lattice at the hardware store tomorrow. Yeah, it was it was an ingenious idea. I cannot believe that somebody hadn't thought of it before. So thank you. Uh, I don't I don't want to throw her name out there because I don't know if it's okay. But thank you, uh, girl from the Fountain of Youth. Awesome. So we we've talked about the artwork as far as the casts go. Now, obviously, the artwork that everybody looks at on a daily basis are these images, and we would all love to see the original paintings. We got a sneak peek in the exhibition unknown, and now we are hooked. So why can't we just go and see the paintings or why can't I just buy posters or prints of the paintings online? You know, uh, so the paintings, when this book came out, there was a lot of weird legalities with the book, different people own different parts and whatever, but it was, it was cool because everybody was friends and they all trusted one another. And then when the book was sold off to, to Colby, not everybody's friends with him. So, the paintings are owned by John Palancar. John Palancar is in possession of all but one of them, and he cannot legally display them, and he cannot legally distribute images of them because he owns the rights to the paintings, but not the, the rights to the publishing or the distribution of the paintings. So he can't sell them. He can't show them. He can't distribute them. All he can do is keep them in his basement. There is a way for you to see them. And I started down this path and it didn't work out. What I, what I tried to do was get my stepdaughter to date Kit and then they could get married. And then as a wedding present, maybe we could get the paint, but that didn't work out. So (laughs) that's about your only, about your only option to see the paintings right now is to marry into the Palancar family. But you can, so as a, I'm told, I'm told by Kit, right? And he would know because 
Kit lives in the house. He's seen the paintings. The paintings aren't that different from what's in the book, right? What you need to see to solve this puzzle, you can see in the book. You don't need the original paintings. Yep. That has been said on multiple occasions by multiple people. And um, I'm sticking with that until a cask is found by not doing that. Right. Um, okay. So here, uh, speaking of that, uh, and this is one of those uh, rhetorical questions that are interesting. Until a key is in hand, are all solutions valid? No. No. Well, hey, we agree on that. This statement irritates me more than any other statement that I hear. And everybody throws it out. Like, like I know that there's a, there's a cask in, in, in Eugene, Oregon, and all solutions are valid until you have a cask in hand. That's not true. These, these, these paintings, these verses, this, this book is a puzzle and it's interconnected, right? Some things are more true than others. Like if I can take a verse and I can show, or if I can take a painting and I can show you latitude and longitude coordinates that point to a specific city and I can show you that across all of these paintings, you can't tell me that that's not correct. We encourage creative thinking by all stretches of the imagination. Definitely want out of the box solutions. We're not going to move farther if we don't have them, but they need to be logical. They need to make sense and need to have a solid argument behind them. Right. If your solution is correct, you shouldn't be able to poke holes in it. Right. You shouldn't be able to poke big holes in it because we say a lot that you can't poke holes in Chicago. You can't poke holes in Cleveland and you can't poke holes in the, in the Boston solutions. It's it's kind of true and kind of not. You can a little bit. Right. Chicago, they got M and B wrong. They thought it was man and beast because of the horseman statue that's in the painting when it was actually Mozart and Beethoven on a, a, a wall right near the, the dig site. Cleveland, they got wrong. They were digging in the wrong side of the planner. Boston, we can poke some holes in because we don't fully understand the solution. But those aren't, you know, those are tiny, tiny holes, right? And they all affect that one specific area. If your solution is correct, you shouldn't be able to poke large holes in it. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be like, I believe the Montreal painting is in St. Louis. Like, okay, well, there's a leg eater in Montreal that's exactly the same as in the Montreal painting. Where is it in St. Louis? Right next to the fleur-de-lis. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah, right next to the fleur-de-lis. That's a really big hole that you need to fill. Can I just put this to bed right now? It depends on how you're going to go about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fallacy in argumentation, in formal argumentation. If you look into rhetoric as a field of, of study, there is one fallacy of argumentation that is called an argument from ignorance, quote unquote. And I'm not calling people ignorant. That's not me. It's the Latins that will call you ignorant if you argue like this. This formal fallacy of argumentation states that you can't claim you're right just because nobody can prove you're wrong. Do you see what I'm saying there? And that's exactly what you guys are saying. And it's the same thing. You can't say I'm wrong just because, you you know, nobody can say that I'm not right. So now, the point is, is that... Were you captain of your debate team, Brett? He was. I was not captain, but I was definitely on 
the debate team in, in high school and college. Okay, but the but that's not my point. This is easily Googleable. All this stuff. A, a proposition isn't not true just because it hasn't formally been proven false, and and vice versa. Do you see what I'm saying? So like that your theory isn't right just because nobody has thought to knock down Eugene, Oregon, or Peoria as a as a possible solution site. It does not make you right. Having said all of that, we've had, we got members who have been doing this a long time who have had their own theories in Boston, like we said before, shut all those down, right? It proved that they were wrong. Um, and it took a new member coming in and thinking about it a little differently to prove that all of our theories were pointing us to the wrong side of the, of the city. So definitely new ways of thinking is needed, but you also have to remember that that while Boston was solved with new ways of thinking, it was also solved using established methods of solving these. It was solved using the accepted verse pairing, the accepted painting pairing. The hard part of that puzzle was already taken care of, figuring out it was in Boston. The different way of thinking was finding that exact spot in Boston. Yes, sir. So you have to remember that a lot of the accepted stuff it's probably correct. It's proven itself over three, three different puzzles. It's the except for the Milwaukee verse. <laughs> it's oh the, boy, here we go. It's the, it's the end. You need to think creative. <laughs> correct. Uh, all right. So another question: uh, Who can we trust? So who, it is who another can we question. Trust? So I think we covered a lot of that as far as like who should you reach out to. You can tell um, the one question we get pretty regularly is. Well, if I put my theory out there, is somebody going to steal it and go dig it up and steal all my glory? Well, yes, that could happen. And if you're in it for the glory of the solve, well, I'm not going to lie. I think it'd be really cool for people to think I figured out Roanoke Island, but I would much rather have Roanoke Island figured out. So if I can't get down there and I can't dig, I'm sure as heck not going to hold on to my information until I personally can go out there because I don't live close to Roanoke Island. Um, so I'm not, you know, I can't it's not a hop, skip and a jump away. So if I have something and I'm like, this is really good info. The first thing I do is I reach out to the people I know that live close to there and I say, hey, do me a favor. Go check this out. And if they find it awesome. Here's the question. Go for it. Okay. So uh, just the counterpoint to all this. So in the history of this puzzle, has there ever been a situation where somebody has taken somebody else's solve, stolen it, posed it as their own, pulled a cask out of the ground and claimed glory for it? Not that we know of. Pulled a cask out of the ground, no. But but people have stolen stuff. Like uh, 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 we'll call out the first expedition unknown episode, the Milwaukee stuff. That was, that was JM stuff. Yes. You know, and it was given freely to James Renner who used it on the show. Like that whole, like you're the first person to notice the lion. Yeah, he wasn't. So yeah, it, it happens, but there's a, there's a really, there's a really good way to answer all of these questions. Who can I trust and who should I tell? Take a person that you want to talk to and try to figure out if they have an angle. Try to figure out if they're trying to push something. Look at their their post history. See if they're acting a little shady. See if they're like, you know, running out and digging other. Like, it's easy to look in the past and see how people are acting. Judge people from their past. Um, if they're trying to push you a specific angle, probably shouldn't go to them because they're just going to try to absorb your stuff into their angle or push their angle on you. You see what I'm saying? It Just judge people by their past. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. 
since we're talking about judging people, um, one of the things I get judged on a lot is how much I absolutely freaking love Christmas. So we are at the holiday season, everybody. Um, I know, I know it's not even Thanksgiving yet, but I don't care. It's Christmas time, everyone. And we are doing a secret Santa group for anybody that you obviously do not have to do this if you don't want to. It is completely optional. But if you love getting gifts and you love sending gifts and you just love just bringing a smile to somebody's face and, and celebrating the holidays, please, by all means, go to the announcements. There's a link. Enrollment ends on the 30th. So there's only six more days from today that we're recording this. I'm not sure when we're going to broadcast it. So hopefully it's before the 30th. If it's not, sorry, guys, you missed it. But if it's before it, go to that link, sign up. And I think it's a $35 limit. Um, once you sign up, there's a spot for you to go ahead and put in you know, something that you you would like to consider receiving. Now, don't be discouraged if you don't receive that. Uh, you know, Handmade gifts are always wonderful. If you can't afford to spend $35, that is okay. Just you know, write a lovely note, you know, share us all. There's sweet things that we can do for each other that don't include spending money. So let's go all out and have fun. I'm excited to send somebody something. What a segue that was. Boom, went right from trust right into Santa Claus. Damn. <laughs> nice work, Bradley. <laughs> hey, you know, I try. I think we should also caveat this with, remember, we're just three dudes that are into this and we're not experts and we're not pretending to be experts. We just, you know, we, we moderate a page uh, and we do a podcast for fun. Um, so you don't have to take anything uh, that we say as absolute truth. We are the lords of the secret society and to go against us is going against Josh Gates. Hello, my name is George. I am your god. <laughs> between, between us three, yes, exactly. We are the gods of this whole thing, but that's okay. We shouldn't say that. <laughs>